Thank you. Special moments. Thank you. Awesome. Our team does such a good job uh, every single week, twice a week at the moment, uh, making our services happen. So I'm super thankful to them. They, they do awesome. Well, are you, are you ready to be challenged this morning? Because God has challenged me, and so I'm just going to flick past that to you. No, uh, I, I want you to come on a journey with me this morning and uh, open up your, your spirit to let the Lord speak to you and, and challenge some things in your life. Because I believe he wants us to live kingdom lives that are full of purpose and fulfillment and passion and so much enjoyment there. And, uh, and I believe if we listen to him and follow what he's asking us to do, then we will, we will see that happen. So strap your seatbelts in and uh, we're going to get into it this morning. So uh, about a year ago, uh, my family were lucky enough to go and visit Geordie's mum up in Noosa uh, and her partner up there. And it's a fantastic place. It's probably our favorite holiday destination right now. And um, we were really looking forward to go back up there this year, but borders are closed and it doesn't look like we're going to get up there um, for a little while. But when we were up there, uh, we went for a walk and uh, we, we were walking to this beach, which apparently is the first beach in the country that was surfed at. Like, Noosa is apparently the Australian capital for surfing, which is pretty cool. Um, and to get there, you have to walk through this national park, and it's this awesome, awesome walk. Just perfect weather, perfect environment, just so good. And when we got down there to this beach, we noticed that there were these rock formations that people had put together, bouncing rocks on top of each other. I don't know if you've seen them. Um, and I didn't get photos of those ones then, but I've Googled some, so let's just pretend I took these. And I wanted to, I wanted to show you at home some of these uh, rock formations because they're fascinating things. So that should come up uh, on, on your screen and you can have a look. In fact, I'm going to pull mine up right here and, and watch them along with you. So we've got this picture uh, of this, this round rock and it's balanced on, I think it's a plank of wood with some other rocks either side, keeping a balance. And I, and I want you to have a think, on a scale of 1 to 10, how balanced do you think this is? How stable do you think this is? And uh, maybe you can play along at home, have a bit of a vote in your lounge room. How, how stable do you reckon this one is? And uh, let's have a look at the second one. This one I think is probably my favorite. It's a pretty unique structure, and um, it's got all sorts of different shaped rocks. It, it kind of looks impossible, to, to be honest. You look, oh yeah, they've just super glued that, you know. But they haven't. I've, I've looked into this. People actually uh, balance this stuff together, and it's amazing. Uh, let's have a look at the next one. This one looks like it's currently falling, but it's not actually falling. It, uh, it is holding together, at least for the moment that they took this photo. And uh, there's a whole bunch. How many rocks is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then the big one on the bottom. Wow, awesome. And uh, the last one, this one's pretty cool. It's a bit of a fulcrum-looking thing with a pointy rock and, and another balance there. And, and these structures fascinate me. Uh, they, these creative people, these artists that love to, to, to put them together, spend a lot of time trying to balance these things and get them into place. But there's no telling how long they'll actually stay up. 
Some of these things will last 30 seconds. Some of these things will last just long enough to get the photo and then it will fall down. A bit of wind will come in or a little kid will come over and push it over. And, and some, sometimes they'll last a few hours, sometimes they'll last a few days, but they're not going to last very long because they're not stable. And I think as human beings, we kind of have this ability to look at something and determine how stable it is. We can go, oh, like that's, that's a bit risky. That's going to fall over. That's going to that's gonna fall down. Or maybe we can look at something and be like, yeah, that's, that's stock as rock. That's strong. That's not going anywhere. And um, I think we, we definitely developed this as a three-year-old uh, because I know a three-year-old in my house who, you know, will ask me to build a castle out of Duplo. And so, of course, absolutely. I love playing with Duplo. Never got old. And... Uh, so we'll build that, and it will last about three seconds, and then they'll, well, let's just see how stable it is, and they'll just destroy the whole thing, uh, which is a whole lot of fun. And so we, we've got this ability to look at things and go, look, that's stable, that's not stable. But I think when it comes to our own life, we, we're blinded. We don't see that. And we can't see the way that we're living our life is not a stable way. And all of a sudden, we can go through a storm and find everything is just in pieces everywhere. And our life is a mess. And we go, what happened? But it was because we didn't build our life on a kingdom foundation with kingdom priorities. And that led us to being unstable. And so I wanted, I wanted to uh, take a look this morning at what, what are the priorities of the kingdom? If you're going to build your life on a certain list of priorities... What are they going to be? Because we've been talking about this whole thing of new wineskins and new wine. And God is, is pouring out new things. He's doing new things. But the thing we need to remember is we, we don't have infinite capacity, right? There's a point where you just can't add anything more to your life without taking some things away. And we're going to be faced with decisions as God's doing new things in our life. What are we going to take away so that we can make room for the new? And to do that, we need to know how do we prioritize things? What really matters? What's more important than something else? So to, uh, to look at kingdom priorities, we're going to have a bit of a jump into a very interesting, uh, an interesting parable that Jesus told. It's one that I don't hear preached about often, and I think I know why, because it's very unusual. At face value, this doesn't look like something Jesus would say, but it is something that he said. And so we find this parable in Luke chapter 16. Now, to give you some context, Jesus in the previous chapter has just told the lost stories, right? This is the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son. So he's teaching people what is the kingdom of God like? And then in chapter 16, it says this. He also said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. And charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions and he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And then the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what I will do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debts one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said, okay, take your bill, sit down quickly, 
and write 50. 50% off, good deal, straight for you, no questions asked, let's do it. Then he said to another, how much do you? And he says, oh, 100 measures of wheat. And he says, okay, quick, take this, scratch out the 100, write 80, 20% off, you can have that. Now this is the crazy part of the story. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world, remember, this is all Jesus talking, right? This is not me. This is Jesus saying these words. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is in others, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I'm sure you know those last two verses, but... It surprised me that I forgot about the context of what came before it. And I, I think we ask ourselves, did Jesus just say, go and buy friends? Like, did he just say that? Use, use your money and buy your friends? I mean, we think, oh, that's not a godly thing to do. But Jesus is, he's literally said that. Use unrighteous wealth, the, thing, the earthly wealth. It's not necessarily evil wealth. It just means, you know, earthly, natural means. Use that to make friends. And I think that is exactly what Jesus is saying. Because he's saying, hey, hey, listen in, listen in. Here's how the kingdom works. Here is what is more important and what is less important. And he's saying, take what is less important and trade it up for something that is much more valuable, which is relationships with others. So this might surprise you, but I think Jesus in this story has shown us five different types of value or five different types of wealth uh, that, that exist in the world. And, and so we're going to go through them. So the first two are quite obvious. You know, you cannot serve God, spiritual wealth, spiritual value, and money, material wealth. So let's have a look at material wealth. Material wealth is money. It's your possessions, it's things that you own, it's your income, your investments, the tangible stuff you can hold in your hand. It's the stuff, right? So that's pretty obvious. I think we understand that one. And spiritual wealth is, it's a little bit more abstract, but it's very, very meaningful. It's, it's your identity. It's your relationship with God. It's where you find your purpose, your meaning, fulfillment. It's, it's where you get power. That is spiritual wealth or as Jesus called it, true riches. Now to find the next one, we have to jump into uh, verse 3 again. And we can see when the manager has lost his job, the first thing he thinks is, well, what about manual labor? I can use my time and my energy to replace this, this job that I've lost. But he says, I'm not strong enough to dig. So he thinks about that. And he realizes it's not a good option for him. But we can see there's this idea of what I'm going to call physical wealth, physical capital. This is your time and your energy. It's your health, your fitness, your well-being. It's, it's, it's that kind of stuff that you have to give. 
But he says, I, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm no good at digging. I'm not strong enough for that. I'm too ashamed to beg. But I've decided what to do. So in this verse, we see the next one. I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So he's identifying something that's more important, which is relationships with others. It's the friends, the families that you have. That, that is this relationship, this relational capital. And then lastly, we see the manager commend this, uh, the, the, the master commends the manager for his shrewdness. So he, he's, it's basically his intellect or his, his knowledge and his uh, creativity because he's had this idea, he's used his intellectual wealth to then take his master's material wealth and trade that for relational wealth, right? And so, and the master recognized that that was, that was a good thing to do. It was very wise to do that. It might not have been honest, but it was wise. And so our, our intellectual wealth is, uh, it's your education, your knowledge, your ideas, your creativity, your concepts, those types of things. And so we've got these five different types of wealth. And the question is, how do we prioritize them? How does the kingdom prioritize them? What does God consider to be the most valuable? And what does he consider to be the least valuable? And so we can see this stuff hinted at all throughout the Bible. For example, uh, the disciples, they left, they dropped their nets to go and follow Jesus. They, they took their their income, their, their material wealth, their means for financial wealth, and they just left it to pursue spiritual wealth found in following Jesus. Uh, in the garden, at the beginning, Adam and Eve, they traded their, their spiritual wealth for intellectual wealth, this knowledge of good and evil. They wanted to learn more. They wanted to know more. They wanted to be more like God. And they made the mistake, which is very clear it was a mistake, of trading what is most valuable, their spiritual relationship with God, and sacrifice that for some intellectual wealth. The rich young ruler is another great example. Jesus says to him, go and sell all that you have and come and follow me. He's giving him a trade. Why don't you trade what is least valuable, your possessions, and come and take on what is most valuable, spiritual value, spiritual wealth, in a relationship in following me. And he didn't choose it. We can see that that was the wrong decision. And, and while I could go through the Bible and kind of justify the order of these things for you, I think it's pretty self-evident. So we're going to have a look at, at these things in order. It's going to pop up on your screen. And I've created this bit of a pyramid. Now, the most important thing is spiritual wealth. And so it sits at the bottom. It's the foundation the foundation on which we should build everything else. On top of that is our relationships. On top of that is our physical wealth. On top of that is our intellectual wealth. And lastly, our material wealth. And I think this order is pretty self-evident. You know, they, they, they say that you, uh, you know, if you chase experience, money will chase you. So we know that you can gain financial wealth from what you know. You can gain financial wealth from who you know. And so we can see that this material possessions are the least important thing. Then the next one is our, our intellect, which is more important than that. 
Um, but, but more important than that is, is our physical wealth, which is our time and our energy. And how do you know that's true? Well, have you ever tried to take a test when you're sick? Have you ever tried to work when you're really unhealthy and really sick? You can't do it because your physical wealth is more important than the smartness in your brain because that means nothing if you can't get out of bed in the morning. And what's on top of the physical side of things is your time management. If you're too busy, you'll never study. If you're too busy, you'll never be able to learn anything. And so we can see just by looking at our own lives that this order is true. And then we see the relationships are even more important than the physical capital because what, who looks after you when you're sick? When you, when you can't look after yourself anymore, who looks after you? It's your friends and your family. It's the people around you. And so I think this order is pretty self-evident. And when you look at this structure that we're going to pop up on the screen, this pyramid of sorts, that looks pretty stable. I've done a fair bit of physics in my degree at uni, and I can tell you that that is a very stable structure. And so we've got us on the top balancing on a ball, trying to balance all the priorities of our life. And I believe if we build our life with this order in mind and, and align ourselves to kingdom priorities, we will have a much better shot at keeping ourselves balanced for the long term. But for a bit of fun, I wanted to take a look at some stereotypes about how people don't follow these priorities. They don't build their life uh, in this order. And now I wanted to uh, put this caveat out there that this is not based upon any real people I know. So please do not take offense. Any names or likenesses shown in this thing are unintentional. Uh, this is not based on you at home. But I, I think in the exaggeration of these stereotypes, you might find a little bit of truth that hits home. So be open to hear uh, God speaking in your spirit about maybe how you might not have your priorities quite right in these little anecdotes. So the first one I've called Money Hungry Melvin. Melvin loves money. For him, cash is king. And his favorite thing to do with his money, besides making more of it, is to spend it on all of the cool stuff he wants to get. Melvin works hard and is a very successful businessman. He values a good education, but only because it is a pathway to gaining financial wealth. For the most part, he looks after his health, but he is very quick to spend excessive time at the office and forsake a trip to the gym or a good night's sleep if it means furthering his career. Recently, he broke off a relationship with his girlfriend due to a career opportunity in a different town. He figured most long-distance relationships don't work anyway. When asked about spiritual identity and meaning, Melvin doesn't really have any answers to give. He just chooses to drown out those existential thoughts by working towards his next financial achievement. If he doesn't think too hard about it, he can get away with not being too depressed. That's Money Hungry Melvin. Now let's have a look at the shape of his life. We can see that his most prized possession here is his material wealth. That is his goal. That is what he thinks. He believes that money makes the world go round, and that's what he orients his life to do. He values education to get more money. He makes sure he's sort of fit, but he's not really prioritizing that if it means he can make more money. And his relationships are kind of an afterthought, maybe on top, if we can fit it around his career. And of course, he doesn't have much basis in the spiritual things. And we can look at his life, and you can take one look at that, and you can see that it's not very stable. That thing, I can tell you, 
a little bit of a breeze, a bit of a gust that will come crashing down and it will not last through a storm. Our next archetype uh, is Isabel the intellectual. Isabel decided that there are more important things in life than money. Okay, we're off to a good start. Instead, she pursues knowledge and discovery. Her life goal is to find a new discovery in her field. She is highly qualified and admits she has probably spent far too long at university. Isabel sees her physical limitations as a great inconvenience. She doesn't focus much on her health and is more than happy to pull an all-nighter to get a little bit closer to her goals. She is also known to blow off dinner with her friends because she is caught up in her work. Let's face it though, she finds most of her friends dull and relatively uninteresting anyway. So she doesn't feel like she's missing out on much. Spirituality isn't something she thinks about too often. She likes to think that she is above that stuff and has no need for such things. However, there's a tiny place in her heart that still wants to be proven wrong about that. Let's take a look at Isabel's life. It looks a little bit similar to Melvin, uh, a bit more of a spinning top shape going on there. And uh, for her, intellect is the most important thing. It's education, it's science, it's learning the scientific method. That is the most important thing in the world. And of course, money helps research. So bring on the money, that's a great thing to have. More money means more research, more education, pushing the frontiers, making a discovery. Uh, and physical and relationships are kind of about the same. They're, not, they're kind of more of an inconvenience that you need to have uh, and not really something that she prioritizes. And it's funny because I have actually met a lot of people like this. I said it was an exaggeration, but when I think about all the people I used to go to uni with, I'm not going to name any names. I don't think any of them are watching this anyway. But a lot of them would, would probably say, yep, I agree with a lot of that. And I'll let you at home decide how stable you think that picture is, if you can see that on your screen. Uh, and what would happen if that came up against a bit of a storm? Now, our last one, um, again, I just want to really stress, this is not based upon anyone I know. There is no intention of likeness. Uh, but our last fictional character is uh, Jim Junkie Judah. Judah is passionate about all things health and wellness. He spends most of his spare time thinking about exercising or how to fit the maximum amount of protein into a single sandwich. His wife is an Instagram influencer who has recently got into essential oils. Judah is in support of this and is hoping that those oils will help him achieve his lifelong goal of being able to do 100 push-ups on his 100th birthday. Judah works a modest job and isn't concerned with becoming a millionaire. However, he is hoping that his boss will be generous with this year's Christmas bonus so that he can get himself a shiny new Rogue Echo Bike. He is well read up on just about every diet and exercise routine ever devised and believes we need to be doing a much better job at educating people on how to make good health decisions. In fact, he brings it up in just about every conversation he has with people, to the point where not a lot of people like to hang out with him anymore. They think he is a great guy, but his unregulated preaching to them has pushed them all away. He's also a Nazi about routine and will abruptly get up and leave when out to dinner if the socializing starts to eat into his bedtime schedule. Judah considers himself as a spiritual person, but he worships health more than God. Again, no likeness to anyone I know at all intended there. Uh, 
Let's have a look at uh, Jim Junkie Judah's life. Uh, he seems to be a little bit more on the right track uh, in that he's, he, he has a really good focus on his health um, and he's, he has a healthy understanding of money and education. But he's not prioritizing relationships. He's not prioritizing the, the people in his life. He doesn't sacrifice his own needs for them. And uh, his spirituality doesn't go very deep. And again, we can look at this and it might be a little bit more stable than the others, but it's still not a, a kind of life that I would like to build. So all of that said, I wanted to spend a bit of time talking about how do we build a life with kingdom priorities in mind? How do we make sure that our lives don't turn out like those fictional characters? How do we make sure that our life has the, right, the rock-solid foundations that we can weather any storm? Now, the answer to this is to trade up. Now, there's this story, and I don't know if you would have heard it, went around quite a few years ago, about a man who had a little red paperclip. And he had this, this amazing idea. I want to trade this paperclip for a house. And you're like, okay, good luck, mate. But he... He, he did it based on this one principle of trading up. Can I trade what I have for something that's a little bit more valuable? And he did many, many trades. He traded this for something else and this for something else. And, and he would, just kept trying to find, hey, is anyone willing to trade me something for this? And whenever someone would offer something that he thought was more valuable, he would take the deal, make the trade and move on. And sure enough, in not too long, I can't remember the exact time, but I, I remember being surprised at how quickly he did it. He actually ended up getting a house. And it literally cost him a paperclip and a bunch of conversations with people. Amazing stuff. He had cars and boats along the way and all sorts of things. But he did it on this principle of trading up. And I believe God has revealed to us uh, this this order of priority that we can use when making decisions about what to do with our life. So how, how do we get more material wealth, for example? Well, money, money will come from the other wealth that we have. And I said some of these sayings before, but we, we talk about this all the time. We probably don't think about it too much. We say things like, if you chase experience, money will chase you. We say time is money. It's not what you know, but who you know. And I can testify to that so many times in my life, how, how that works out. And it all gets summed up in that verse, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We know that if we, if we get our priorities right, money is just going to take, take care of itself. You will always have enough. God will always look after you if you prioritize things his way. So we don't really need to look at how do I get more money because that will just happen. But let's have a look at our intellectual wealth. How do I increase my intellectual wealth? Well, I, I wouldn't underestimate the power of five minutes a day. It seems insignificant, but just five minutes on a new skill, a new bit of knowledge, uh, you know, a new experience can go a long way over the course of your life and gain a whole lot of intellectual wealth. The other thing I would say is um, learn the art of Googling. And I, I've said this before, 
And I will say it again because I really believe it, but I think as a modern human in today's society, it is essential that you learn the skill of how to Google properly. Because you name an opinion, it's out there. And you'll, you'll read up on it on the internet and be like, wow, that's so convincing. But then you'll find the exact opposite opinion and go, wow, that's equally convincing. And so we need to figure out, we need to practice this art of hearing both sides and figuring out the truth that's in the middle. And uh, if we can practice that, and I think we can go a long way. We do have all the knowledge of all mankind at our fingertips, but yet no idea what to do with it. Uh, and then the last thing I would say is ask for help on that. You know, people can teach you stuff. People can teach you new skills. Let's get on to more important wealth. So physical wealth. Now, of course, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a health expert by any means, but let me give you some basic tips. Number one, sleep. Thank God for sleep. Sleep is like, it's, it's the cure-all tablet, honestly. It, so, much, so many of your problems when it comes to your physical wealth and, and, uh, and your health and well-being will be taken care of if you just get good sleep. Now, all of you people with young kids who are at home, you're saying, what are you talking about? You don't know anything. Well, I, I know, and I do not have good sleep. But I know one day, people keep telling me this mythical one day. I'm sure it must exist. I don't, I've not seen it. This one day where you will be able to prioritize your sleep. Because God made us sleep for a reason. He could have made us 24-hour beings. He didn't. Sleep is very important. Once you've got your sleep sorted though, food and exercise, they're equally important. Eat well and exercise often. Be active often. Now, what do I eat? Is it vegan? Is it keto? Is it no sugar? Is it da-da-da? Well, okay, let's, let's not argue about the differences. Let's find what's common. Broccoli, we all agree it's good. Let's just eat broccoli, right? Vegetables, yes. Green, they're, they're even better. You know, there's a whole lot of things you know are better for you when you eat and uh, just do them. And then you can figure out the nuances of what diet do I do. Uh, there you go. Jesse, the nutritionist preaching to you. Um, and then time management and routine. That's, that's physical capital. Do you have some kind of routine and schedule? Because if you don't, you will be lacking in physical wealth because you won't have any time to give to things that matter. Let's go more important again, relational wealth. Be generous. And if you want to be really blunt about it, use your money to make friends. That's what Jesus said. Be generous. That's what it means. It's, it's don't be stingy with your stuff because the who that is being blessed by your stuff is so much more valuable than that stuff. Uh, so we can use our material wealth to, to buy friends and then make time for people. Use your physical wealth, that time that you have, your energy, and, uh, and, and, and do that for them, and you will grow your relational wealth. Find people's needs and meet them. Um, share your skills and your knowledge. You know, at the beginning of the year, my car just carked it, right? I thought it's, it's a goner. I took it to Ford. They said, $6,000 will rebuild your engine. I'm like, no thanks. And then I'm blessed by my, my re relationship with Justin Heather, because he's like, oh yeah, I think I could fix that. And so he comes over, he gives, he gives me his time, he gives me his know-how, his expertise, and he gets all these parts and fi we fixed the car for $300. And it ran for a couple more months, it was so good. And, and so he, he, he was doing that. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm indebted to that guy and, and I think he's a legend. But he gets this, you know. He, he uses some of his, I guess, less valuable wealth and trades up for more, for more valuable stuff. And then, of course, the most important thing of all, the place where we find our identity and our meaning is in spiritual wealth. And I think we can trade all of these other things. We can trade up for spiritual wealth. Allow God to direct your finances. It, I can't overstate how much that will change you. you know, whether that's tithing, being generous above that, Allow Him to direct your finances. Do what He's asking you to do. Because I know in my life, I have this conviction. Every paycheck that comes in, yep, 10% straight off. Don't even think about it. I, I budget on what's left over after that. I pretend that that's my real income. And it has done this work in me where I just will forever trust God with my finances. Because I give Him 10%. I give Him a significant portion it's, it's, not, it's not so much that it will cripple me. God knows that. But it's enough to cost me. And, and that puts God on the throne. Then study the Bible. Don't just read it. I think if we're not careful, we'll just go through our life reading the Bible, which is good. But we need to study it. I mean, what, what is the context of that? What is the culture of that? Why was that written in the first place? How does that link to this and to this? Because there is so much more wealth of understanding and knowledge of God and His ways and what He's like if we choose to really study the Bible. So I encourage you, study it. Devote your time and energy. This is your physical capital that you can trade uh, to gain spiritual wealth by giving God your time. Give Him time. Give Him energy. Put, put some effort in for Him. And, uh, and lastly, use your relationships to help your spiritual walk. Be accountable. Get advice from people. Go and ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions of your fellow Christians. Don't be afraid to hold yourself accountable to other people so that, so that they can help you improve your spiritual wealth because it is the most valuable thing you can do with your life. The world will try and tell you otherwise, but this is it. So as we're wrapping up today, uh, there you go. You've just been lectured by Jesse with all his wisdom. Not really. Um, but I, I thought we could, we could throw over to you, wherever you are, if you're watching with people around you, to have a discussion about priorities. What are some opportunities you can do to trade up, to take what you have and trade it for something more valuable. Because a kingdom built life is such a strong one. And in these times of trouble and uncertainty and, and God doing new things, if we build our life this way, we will see His kingdom go forward and we will have the most rich and fulfilled life you could ever imagine. Let me pray for you and, uh, and we'll wrap up. God, I thank you that you're so good. And I thank you that you've uh, revealed to us through your word how we should live in a way that will benefit us the most. So God, speak to us about priorities. Speak to us about what we need to do and uh, give us the strength to build our life with you at the center around you. We love you and uh, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, I've had a fantastic time being here in the flesh. I'm legit. This is not a pre-recording. 
It's 11.05 on this clock. Oh no, 11.03. Oh, there's two clocks. Anyway, 11.04, I just clicked over. Anyway, the service is over, but church continues. So don't forsake your church family. Have a great Sunday and uh, we'll see you later.